Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. about the CW's Riverdale that is going dark for Thanksgiving, but we're taping a podcast anyway. I'm Alex. Perhaps the most horrifying thing of all is going home for Thanksgiving without a fresh Riverdale to pacify our brains. I'm Justin. (laughs) And yeah, we're going to be doing a mailbag episode. You all sent us a ton of tweets. There's a lot to talk about with this show. There is. No doubt. So like taking a week off is totally fine because it's like, it gives us just more uh, more time to chew on the meal. Right. Well, this is either we tape a podcast or we're going to sit down for Thanksgiving and over Turkey be like, hey, real quick. Uh, how do you think they're going to wrap up the Cheryl storyline? And everybody is going to be like, what the fuck are you talking and about? And I don't want to have an argument where half my family is <laughs> like, I'm on the side of Julian, the ghost doll, mm-hmm. and the other half be on the side of Jason, the decomposing corpse. Now, wh- for Thanksgiving, do you think you're going to set a place setting for your haunted doll? Uh, my haunted doll, I feel like we've sort of exercised um, okay. that demon and... Um, we do. I, as I said on the podcast before, I ate two twins. Okay, because I was one of uh, triplets. Sure. Um, uh, you're a, you're a hungry. I'm baby. hungry. So Thanksgiving's uh, being such a big meal sort of always takes me back to uh, the womb. Um, <laughs> well, you do that thing. You do have that tradition where you crawl inside of a turkey to simulate being in the womb. That's right? true, and I just eat my way out. <laughs> you say, <laughs> like, "I'm stuffing. I'm like, stuffing, Jason." That's right. Um, great. Uh, that <laughs> explains, I mean, that wasn't as crazy as a Riverdale storyline, but it was still pretty weird. Yes. Uh, everything's pretty weird, but you know what's not weird? You all are not weird. Yes. Because you true. responded to us at Riverdale Dark on Twitter. We put out a call for questions and theories and comments on this season and what's coming up. And you responded with tons and tons of them. 
So I want to get into them right now. Let's get into it. Uh, this first one, this is three tweets, oh boy, from at FeverBrit on Twitter. Did you guys notice that Dodger's mother is also the girlfriend of the shady guy that Alice killed in season three? Do you think there's going to be a link to that season, or will they just keep her as Dodger's mother? This is something that uh, a lot of people actually sent us right after yeah. the episode. Um, I knew she looked familiar, but I got the wrong touchstone for it. And it is the same name character. She's called Darla in both cases. Yeah, I think for sure it was intentional. Like, yes. uh, she will come back around. I think the way that she, uh, once uh, I, because I didn't spot this, uh, so astute viewers, thank you for pointing it out. But once I notice that like the way she enters the scene is sort of like she looks around feeling like things are familiar a little bit she feels like she's like sort of stepping into Riverdale and is going to be more of a problem than maybe we think I don't uh, so there was part of me that thought maybe okay maybe this is a way that you connect whatever is going on with Betty with Chick and Charles because the last time Darla showed up she went into the Cooper household and was like hey you killed my boyfriend and dumped his car. I'm not leaving until you pay me money. Otherwise, I'm going to tell people about this. Uh, and they ended up, the serpents burst in, Jughead burst in and kicked her out. So it could be that connection where Charles and Chick are up to something. And she's coming in with Dodger to Archie's storyline. And then she's a connecting there. And that's this overarching thing. That's a possibility. Yeah. But... I think she's just a recurring antagonist. She's like Penny Peabody in my mind. Well, but I don't know because she's coming at multiple sides of the story from totally different places. Sure. Like Penny Peabody always comes in usually on a jughead situation and antagonizes him in whatever it is. Yeah. So she's like a, a true recurring villain. Well, this feels like they've inserted uh, an, the same character in a totally different situation with totally different motivations. Yeah. So it feels like it'll be a reveal that she's either part of a conspiracy with um, the true hero of D Riverdale, Chick, a positive right. conspiracy. Of course, to save everybody. Exactly. Something, uh, looks like how a rainbow is like a positive conspiracy. <laughs> you know, all those colored lights yeah. getting together. I remember the other day I was walking around and I said, whoa, double conspiracy. What does that mean? Yeah. Good ref? Yeah, deaf people definitely know what you're talking about. Of yep. course, Double Rainbow. Um, a meme from um, before the internet, right? That was uh, a meme. I think that was an 18th century meme. That was a meme that was written, carved into a stone tablet um, and found mm. in the first cave. Um, yeah, did you know that Shakespeare was the original LOL Cats? Whoa. Wow. Uh, wow. My uh, dangerous mind is really getting <laughs> lit up by your your intense teachings. Let's get to the rest of FIFA Brits. Well, well I was just oh, saying, so yeah. to finish <laughs> Before we took no, a, no, I think we're done. A very fine tangent. Uh, that I think um, she, she, it does seem like it's more meaningful or just like a weird mistake. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's just like, oh, it just happens to the same person. Notice it if you want. Because it feels like a waste. It, it could be a waste. I, I think it's okay to have people who pop up who are just villains over and over and over again. I but think that's fun. Charles, Charles is such a focus of the season. Like, yes. Are they going to bump into each other and be like, oh, weird. Oh, you oh I remember you. Like, you were the shady man's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. We don't know his real name. No, I think he's we did. so shady. He's just shady. Uh, it's possible. The problem is we don't know a lot about the Charles and Chick storyline yet or the videotape storyline that they barely touched on at this point. Um, it seems like we're going to find out a little more next episode, potentially. 
By the way, one thing we should mention, since we are talking about theories, I've gotten a couple of comments from people saying, I don't want to know what's coming up. If you don't want to know what's coming up, definitely turn away from this episode and come back next week. Oh, but like, week. we don't know either. We're just no, talking we don't know. about We're it. just talking about We're the stuff that's out there. So it's not like we have any uh, special information that would yeah. tell us. But uh, we have one piece of special information that we'll throw in there. Oh, you're going to? Yeah, just eventually. Oh, nice. You won't know what it is. Oh, wow. That's the worst possible yes. way to do it. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, from Fever Brit, continuing, side comment, Jughead's detective skills have really gone downhill this season. He used to be a master of investigation. Now he's reading Chipping's suicide note out loud while Brett and Donna are still in the room instead of pocketing it for later. He and Betty are also under the impression that people are oath-bound to tell the truth during Never Have I Ever, as if a member of a secret society would just reveal that casually because they were playing a game. I think that's spot on, right? Yes. Um, Never Have I Ever... You really are supposed to play by the rules. Sure. Uh, otherwise, you have to drink, which right. is the ultimate price. Yes. What in the level of strength? Never have I ever secret society pinky swear. How do they kind of rank? Well, pinky swear is sort of the most intimate. Yes. Uh, because you're touching pinkies, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very powerful area of your body, sensitive. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Yeah. Number okay. One. And then it goes down to um, Secret Society. Right. And uh, Never Have Ever is not as binding as a Secret Society. In a way, uh, staying up late, having a confessing little fucked up things you've done in your life is a Secret Society. Ooh, the original Secret Society was Shakespeare. Oh, wow, cool. (laughs) The game with the highest stakes will obviously spin the bottle. Right. The way I play it in my hometown is whoever landed on you, marry. Oh, well, congratulations. (laughs) That explains a lot. (laughs) Uh, uh, this is from. Uh, I'm not gonna. Wait, did we answer that question? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I think Jughead's. Yeah, Jughead's. Oh. Well, we were talking about this on the last podcast. That Jughead is basically wandering into places now and being like, "I accuse you of things," and people are like, "Those aren't true. Why are you doing this?" Well, and you could say that he sort of lost a step, but I I like to think that what is happening with Jughead is he feels this connection with legacy, that something he's craved. Mm-hmm. He's always. He feels sort of uh, rootless, and he's been knocked about his whole life. He fell in with the serpents, and that was sort of a family, a a real family that he didn't have for a long time. And this feels like a real legacy that he's craved and real, like, this literary background that he just has never had a connection to. So I think he's being, uh, his judgment is being clouded by that. And he's starting to act like these... uh, the Hardy Boys characters that yeah. these books are based on, where he's just being like, ha ha! And it's like, Jughead, no, that's not how it works. You're being simple. I would also argue, I don't think Betty has necessarily missed a step. There was the indication of that with the murder board they showed at the end of the last episode, where I feel like Betty kind of has her own things going on yeah. and her own investigations going on, maybe that we don't even know about at this point. Well, it sounds like she's sort of running the unified theory of Riverdale right. of season four, because um, that's what it says at the top, is Riverdale season four, <laughs> and then it's just a murder board. Showrunner at Riverdale, Gerson <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's the first picture. Yeah. He's like, this guy knows everything. I gotta <laughs> yeah, find him. I gotta him. track him down. He's the one. Yeah, real Alan Moore, Grant Morrison shit going on this season. Uh, definitely. Insert yourself into the story, authors. It's the coolest move. Yeah. Uh, but I do think she is going to be the one. Every we've talked about this a little bit. Every character's stories are so disparate this season. Like yes. it has to be purposeful. And I think Betty, as maybe it was revealed in this last episode, is going to be the unifier who starts to bring it in and establish this 
conspiracy because I think some of the themes like well last season was like cult and uh, uh, all this like horror Dungeons and Dragons that kind of stuff this season I feel like it's going to be um, <clears throat> conspiracy yeah conspiracy theorists um, I think there's going to be some um, hypnosis so still stuff that's a little adjacent to the farm but a little more uh, intense mental messing with people mentally yeah uh, yeah, I can see that. This is from Michaela Taylor. Do you think Cheryl has the serial killer genes, a.k.a. why is she so comfortable around dead bodies? I would love if everybody turns out to have serial killer genes, if they're like, ah, oh, just a uh, whole town, everybody. I feel like with Cheryl, if they did a DNA test, it'd be like, whoa, there are like a thousand chromosomes here. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, she's got them all. She's pure chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> because she has every personality that we need. She's the uh, yes. she's a shapeshifter. There was there was that teaser that Roberto Aguirre did put up uh, where it said she's a chimera. Yes, uh, and part of that is if she actually did absorb her brother, if she ate her brother in the womb. Sure, she would have some of that genetic material potentially throwing floating around. Not a not, not a not how it works. I don't think. No, maybe I don't. <laughs> you know. don't absorb the gene like some sort of a Highlander of <laughs> uh, twin life. I'm thinking more a Quato from Total Recall type situation. Great. Has Tony ever seen her with her clothes off? Because I feel like if she lifted up her shirt, there would just be a little man that'd be like, like "I'm Julian. Hey, I'm Cheryl. I'm part of this." <laughs> oh, the little man is Cheryl and, and she, Julian. Yeah, she's actually Julian. Exactly. Oh, that's crazy. I don't think that's what's going on. Okay, happen. I guess. We'll I also don't think she has the serial killer gene. Uh, the other thing that I'll mention, which we mentioned before on the podcast, the serial killer gene—not exactly a real thing, not science. Because if that were fully true, I feel like a lot of people would be tested for that. Yes, <laughs> there's—they've identified. I, I forget. It's uh, what is it? Causation doesn't equal uh, no. Correlation doesn't equal causation, right? Uh, and that's basically what it is with these genes is that they found some people who are serial killers with these genes and they yeah. found some people with these genes have a tendency to be more aggressive, but there isn't a direct line between the two. It's not like you have MAOA or I think it's CDH 13 and yeah. Oh yeah, that indicates that you're going to murder a bunch of people or you have this rage the way that they're talking about it on the show. Let it, me break it down in simpler terms. Like yes, if you have the components of uh, a pizza, like yeah. dough, sure. cheese, tomato sauce, Sometimes you just make a pizza. Right. Other times, it's going to be a calzone. <laughs> <laughs> and if you make so, a calzone, you're a fucking serial you're killer. You're a serial, exactly. Only serial killers eat calzones. It's like messed up pizza. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think she has that. I think she just curved around dead bodies because they're doing a gothic storyline. <laughs> so that's well, And she's experienced it. everything. I mean, I don't think, I think it's the opposite in sort of the nature versus nurture of the serial killer gene storyline. I think it's the nurture side. Yes. Like she grew up in the Blossom household where it's crazy. Everyone's crazy all the time. Everyone's out to kill each other. There are no standards. It's like this fucked up family I heard of called the Adams family. Which oh, like, yeah. They're, they're so crazy. Uh-huh. They're so crazy. They're There's creepy that, and they're kooky. Uh, and kookiness. Who has the kooky gene? Because that's the thing I think we got to... Be what, Cookie? <laughs> 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 uh, maybe Pete is a stabilizing force in this podcast. <laughs> I think so. Uh, this is from Aaron C. Hollis. Uh, is there... Ooh, this is actually a question for Pete. Maybe we should text him to find out. Uh, is there anything... I Betty- feel comfortable answering. <laughs> okay. Uh, just answer is Pete. Is there anything Betty could do that would make Pete not support her? Uh, No. Uh, I believe... Uh, no, log pause. <laughs> I 
that's sort of the most Pete thing you could do. Yeah, I will say somebody answered get with Archie, but I think even then he would he would switch sides. He like would get on board. He's bughead all the way. But until the, Barchi happens, which is coming this season, all right, here we and go. then he would get on board because that's how much of a Betty believer he worships at the altar of Betty. Um, and the Betty Church, uh, Betty can do no wrong. And I only believe in that church when Archie's there also. Oh, okay. I'm a, sort of a uh, born-again <laughs> Betty worshiper. Born-again Barchitarian. Exactly. <laughs> a seventh-day Barchitarianist. Yes. Uh, this from, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but uh, Kawe, the theater kid. Also, I have a theory that, oh, maybe this is connected to something else. You know what? I don't like Twitter that much. Uh, wow. Also, I have a theory that Hermosa is going to come between Veronica and Archie at Hiram's request. What do you think about that? Ooh, that's an interesting theory. I mean, if Archie fell for that, he would be very stupid. So, <laughs> well, think about so it. could happen. <laughs> yeah. So by the law of transitive logic, um, I think it definitely is going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think Hermosa... Would go for Archie. I don't think Hiram would go that route. But what is what is Hermosa's role? Because she feels uh, she's a Veronica um, cipher, uh, I guess you could say, and uh, or she's a Veronica like replacement in right. Hiram's eyes. Yes. Um, but how does that affect Veronica? It feels like she's already done that job. She's a rival to Veronica. But what other role will that <clears throat> will that offer? I think it's just that. I think it's just to amp up tensions even to the ultimate level possible. Like we've already had these feints and counter feints and being like, ooh, I'm going to manipulate things so you get arrested and thrown in jail and I'm going to manipulate things this way. But bringing in Hermosa clearly amped Veronica up to the point where she's just rage all the time. Yeah. Where she took the tablecloth, tore down the Thanksgiving dinner. Great trick. Yeah, amazing trick. Gonna try it. Uh, I think I think what Hermosa's role then is to, is to make Veronica put on a show in Vegas. Yeah. A magic she's gonna show. She's going to be a Vegas magician. <laughs> yes. Pushing her toward her true calling. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little, uh, to the point of the uh, the question, I'm a little confused by Hermosa's role as well. Um I I said this a lot. I want to shake up the core relationships. They feel like they are just a little... They're taken for granted last season, especially Bughead, I thought. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to shake that up. And if Hermosa is the one to do that, I'd be curious to see it. Yeah. Uh, all right, next one. This is from Kiki. Which was your favorite episode and favorite quote from the entire show? Oh, man. Yeah. Do you that. have one? Uh, I feel like quote is going to be a little tougher. I was just looking it up because I don't want to get it wrong. But I will say the first one that I think of is in the uh, episode where Cheryl and Tony, they don't go to a date, but they go to see Love, Simon together. Oh, yeah. And afterwards, Cheryl confesses to Tony that she had this girl, Heather, that she didn't have a relationship with, but was the first woman, the girl that she really loved, uh, and that her mother called her deviant. And Tony says, you're not loveless, you're not deviant. Um, I'm going to look up the actual total quote because I forget what it actually is. Uh, you have to know your mother's wrong. You're not loveless. You're not deviant. You're, you're sensational. Yeah. I, I love Great that. moment. Such Great a good moment. moment. Yeah, it's hard to think of any particular quotes because the show is such a, like, it's like doing a drug <laughs> every week. <laughs> um, I The first one that comes to mind for me is the scene where Archie is on his uh, bear wanderabout. 
and he meets the girl who makes eggs for him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that crazy um, sequence that play, takes place, and then Archie gets hit with a pan, I believe, at the end of it. Yeah, he does. Um, that is very memorable to me. Um, the scene where Archie saves Cheryl from the ice uh, was so well done, I thought. Um, and really, like, imagine, think back to, like, <laughs> the first season when Archie was uh, was sleeping with his teacher. Like, right. doesn't that feel like... A million years like ago? Like, we were in high school then? I think so. That's so crazy. Yeah. Well, we were, and now we're <laughs> just entering college. We've aged so much. Yeah. What are you thinking about majoring in, by the way? Uh, Riverdale. <laughs> okay. I think there's be a job out there for, for me. I think so, too. As a uh, Riverdaleologist. Favorite episode, I think... I need to... I don't know. I have... Season three and season four, I've watched each episode a couple of times, uh, both for coverage at work and also for doing the podcast. The first two seasons, I only watched, I think, every episode once, and that was yeah. it. So I don't have as much of a memory of them. Um, but I think the the Carrie episode was probably my favorite just for yeah. reaching this really nice balance across the show. The other one that I... Uh, Bizarro Dale, uh, I thought was great last oh, yeah. season, where it... Uh, ostensibly focused on the other characters, but that was another one that uh, what I like in a good Riverdale episode is when it balances everything, when it finds creepy, weird, noir stuff, when it has danger, when it has action, but it has romantic stuff and funny stuff as well. Uh, And that's an episode that definitely had that. The Midnight Club stands out to me as well. Great episode that really balanced the show in a totally different way um, and, and opened up the whole rest of the season. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, this is from at Phallus Wow on Twitter. Uh, Phallus should get married. What do you think? Uh, checks out with the handle. Um, I, I, I don't know about that. I feel like that's not something they want to do. Really? I feel like marriage, their marriages ended to the, their other people they were with. Right. And I think they, especially in this most recent episode that we saw, they're in young love. They want that sort of like wild, carefree love, even though they're living yeah. in the same house. <laughs> uh, but I do think they they want to. I don't think they want uh, rules or like p- p- commitments in that same way. I think they want to just like be how they were back then with each other and live that out. Yeah, I could I could see something down the road where they have like a small surprise civil ceremony or something like that. But you don't even think that. I think if they do decide to get married, I think the opposite. I think big season finale. Really? F Palace wedding. Uh, I don't know that FP would feel comfortable with that. Though. But I think that's the fun. Maybe a mid-season finale. Them playing out whatever like horrifying mystery the kids are trying to solve over the course of their wedding, I think is a great payoff that's to the, the multi-generational nature of the show and how the show is all about how the gang's parents lived the same life in Riverdale with a bunch of other fucked up things, um, but they're all doing it together at the same time in a sort of They haven't really done... Have there been any weddings on the show? I don't think there's been a wedding on the show at this no. point. So it does feel like something they have Marriage to... is for dorks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hope I never get married. Yeah, not me. Take this ring off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Burn them. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, the... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like, they got to hit a wedding at some point. At this point, FP and Alice are probably... They got to hit a wedding at some point, <laughs> quote Alexander Salmon. Got to hit a wedding at some point. Uh, it's life, it. brother. Yeah, you just got to get there. Got to get hit by a wedding. They could do something where they'd be like, no, you have to have a serpent wedding. 
ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And a serpent wedding is where two snakes get married first. <laughs> <laughs> and if the snakes don't kiss at the end, you're not allowed to get married. Oh, come on, snakes, kiss. Oh, geez, we're playing romantic music for you and everything. <laughs> we're playing this Mad World song. Uh, all right, let's move on to this. This is something that we heard about quite a bit, uh, and a couple of people wrote us about. I'll start off with this tweet, which I think sums it up nicely. Uh, this is from Aaron Blur on Twitter. I don't know why I keep saying on Twitter. They're all on Twitter. They're all on Twitter. Uh, everybody join the Patreon Slack. Agree with that? Patreon.com slash comic book club. Everybody is chatting about Riverdale all day long. The, she says, the Donna Chipping story is shockingly problematic. Teacher-student rape, again, lying about sexual abuse. Betty, of all people, not believing the victim. It's really disappointing. Also, I love you guys, and happy Thanksgiving. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Lot to unpack there. Yes. I I prefer to focus on the Patreon of the Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, clearly. Um, I mean, to, to dive right into it, at the end of the last episode, we dealt with uh, Donna um, revealed that she had been in a relationship that got in, that became sort of a sexual assault with Mr. Chipping, who had just killed himself in the previous episode. Um, she revealed it to Betty and then revealed it, and Betty sort of doubted her, and Jughead did a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, and then she reported it to the headmaster, and that made them be like, oh, I guess it did happen. But then Brett sort of like, see, it did happen. And... Uh, to speak to Aaron's point, it definitely left me sort of a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, yeah. what is what just happened here? Right. Because it's out of character for the show to treat something so carelessly, um, something so serious so carelessly, and also to have Betty be the one doubting, to Aaron's point. Um, it makes me think that there's going, they're going to, they're not like they're going to ignore this issue going right. forward. I feel like it's setting something up and we don't know what it is. I do trust the show to not be as callous about something like this. I agree. I, the, the tricky thing here is that Riverdale, spotty is the wrong word, but an inconsistent record with serious subjects where there are things like we were mentioning earlier, the Archie Grundy relationship, which was a uh, sexual assault of a minor, but they kind of treated it as Archie was like, no, nah, it was love. And everybody had one confrontation with him and then they kind of moved on and then she got garroted later on. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but I feel like that without being dismissive of anything at all, that's what the show is. You know, if, you want to see serious explorations of sexual assault. Uh, there are a lot of places you can do that and a lot of responsible places you could do that. I think the show has done a very good job this season dealing with some serious subjects, mm -hmm. but then also pulling back at the last second. Like there was Reggie's abuse with his yeah. father. Most of that storyline was great. And then at the end, they kind of resolved it with like, well, I wrecked this car and we had a talk and now we're moving on. Yeah. See you next episode. Yeah, I mean, to your point, this show is so fast-paced, it's hard for it to slow down and deal with something outside of Luke Perry's death, which I think it did yes. uh, very well. So uh, that's all to say, this isn't something that I think they're going to just blow past, I hope. I'm, well, trying to tr I'm trying to trust the show here. Yeah. I think it was just poorly timed that it ended the episode with these weird, like, I don't, I don't believe this, uh, this victim. And it's like, that's the end of the episode? When it, it felt like that's something they could have maybe explored that through the whole episode. Right. The other thing that didn't necessarily help it, and I do think they're doing a very good job as actors, but, and we talked about this on the podcast, but the way Sean Deppner, who's playing Brent Weston Wallace, and Sarah Desjardins, who's playing Donna Sweet, uh, they, what I took away from their performances is 
they're being kind of straight up. Like, it didn't yeah. seem like there was a lot of subterfuge going on with them. But given the way the show is set up and given everything that's going on, there probably is subterfuge going on with them. And they probably are part of a secret society. And they probably are faking and lying about certain things but we don't know yet. So to your point, Justin, there's a lot of stuff happening at the end of the episode there. And it's hard to parse exactly what's happening without seeing where the storyline is going. Yeah, 100%. And so I think uh, I think this will... There'll be more to this story. And I do think, like, Chip and Kill themselves in such a weird way, this whole thing f- points to some kind of, like, brain manipulate, like, something that is not a real world uh, dealing with the issue of uh, a teacher having sex with his student. Yeah, I absolutely agree on that. Uh, let's move on to another one. Uh, this is from Luana Thomas. She says, uh, do you think there's any teeny tiny chance that the writers are playing a very long game with us and the Hermione El Capo thing will pay off? Like, even if they completely forgot about it and then later decide, oh, shit, we can use this at this point, I'll take it. I agree. I I hope so. I just don't. She's been. I thought this all last season. I thought for sure Hermione was going to be the Gargoyle King. It was going to be this great reveal where she has seizes power somehow because she was such an important character in season one, and then like still around but not really doing much. She was in the Midnight Club, and then they just totally ignored her. Yeah. So I have a little bit of faith that they will come around and use her again because she is important, but. I'm sure it's very tiny. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they have a lot more fun working with Hiram. And then to what we were talking about earlier, they've crowded things up with Hermosa. There's a lot of focus on her from Veronica. And Hermione's main mode right now has been to be nervous about a trial and then nervous about working at Le Bon Nui, and that's it. And she's great. I would love to see more from her. But it's especially crazy when they're introducing Hermosa, who is... Uh, a child, a Hiram's child from another uh, yeah. mother. So it's like, you'd think she'd have a take on that. Like, she's right. hanging around at the house. Like, there's there's got to be some emotional underpinnings there. And we have not, we're not privy to those. I believe, and I could be wrong, that the explanation that they've given in the past is that it's a cultural thing, that this is the way that a wife is supposed to be in the world of a person like Hiram. But I feel like we're past that yeah. with them, very much so. And they're not playing it as as that, as like some sort of like, oh, he's she's a, a crime wife or like whatever you want to say the culture is they're talking about. Yeah. She's a character that we knew before we met Hiram. She has should have more uh, sort of time or stake than Hiram. Hiram just was this outside force who came in after yeah. we'd met her for so long. Yeah. Come on. We've known her for longer. We've known her for longer. Uh. Give her a break. Let her make her bones. <laughs> <laughs> this is from at Renee White uh, says, I think it would be better to have Jughead's death play into it just being part of the Baxter Brothers mystery as opposed to being a faked death. Will we be seeing what actually happens in 409, which is the mid-season finale? Uh, just to address that last part first, as far as we heard, and I don't know if plans changed, whatever happened at spring break we will know, we will understand by the mid-season finale. That's coming up fast. It's coming up very fast. Uh, The initial implication from that that I took was, oh, okay, they're going to do spring break during the mid-season finale, but I don't think that's what it is. I think the mid-season finale takes place around Christmas time. I don't know if it's going to be specifically a Christmas episode, but I expect we'll see some touches there. Could Uh, we have two more episodes? Yeah, there's... So there's 408, which is in treatment. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a new guidance counselor named Mrs. Burble, played Mm -hmm. by... (laughs) Burble. Burble. 
played by Gina Torres from Firefly Love and uh, Pearson and Suits and everything. She's going to be Mrs. Burble, the guidance counselor, and she decides, hey, all these kids are pretty fucked up. Let's put them in uh, counseling because that's what a guidance counselor does, of course, as yep. we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last episode is going to be the mid-season finale where Jughead tracks down his grandfather, Forsyth Pendleton Jones the first. Also, Cheryl is going to finally find resolution with the J- Jason storyline. Uh, we're going to see that done for good. There were some pictures put out where everybody is by the Sweetwater River, so it certainly seems like they're dumping him right next to Uncle Bedford, and hopefully the salmon will also gobble hungry, him. Hungry, hungry salmon. <laughs> I don't know if they know how rivers work, but I think there's a downstream body pile on the other <laughs> side of Riverdale. Uh, the Riverdale this, Dam is clogged with human skeletons. Mrs. Mulray is down the river being like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> don't drink the sweet water water. Yeah, this is awful. Uh, so... We're going to find out what's going on with Jughead's, some sense of Jughead's death, or at least what was going on at that bonfire then. Um, but yeah. I don't think the whole mystery is going to be resolved no or open up, at least until we come back there's next a, year. There's a reason it happens at spring break. Like, that's close to the end. It's yeah. at least three quarters of the way to the end of the season. So I think we have some time to wait to get to that. Um, and I would also argue, I bet we're going to know, like... The events that happened, but we I don't think we're going to know anything about why. Right. I think we're just going to know literally like Jughead died in this situation, maybe. Yes. Um, But to the first point, I think absolutely it's going to connect to the Baxter Brothers mystery. Yeah. And it's possible it may connect to everything that's going on. The Baxter Brothers, the videotapes, Charles and Chick, et cetera, et cetera. I love the idea that uh, Jughead's dead and then the other three have to solve the mystery to find him uh, wherever he is. And it's like sort of a Baxter brothers style mystery. They have to put together. That could be cool. Teen sleuths being teen sleuths. Um, Archie, the perhaps greatest teen sleuth of them all. Yeah. Um, He's a real inspector Clouseau. Yeah. Uh, He has as much mystery solving as Fred from (laughs) Scooby-Doo. The other uh, idea is that it's a conspiracy. They all entered into to hide Jughead's death or fake Jughead's death because of something that happens at the school. I think that's a very viable uh, thing that could be going on. The other thing that I've heard is that it might just be a story. Like we're not actually seeing anything that's really happening. But if Jughead is writing a Baxter Brothers novel about the perfect crime, we might actually be seeing that novel that he's reading and nothing that actually happens in the show. That to me would be a letdown. I agree. Uh, So I hope they don't do that. But it definitely plays into the idea that... I was, I'm surprised to see that this, the story that he's writing for the Baxter Brothers is something that has been underneath a few episodes now. So I feel like that's going to continue. Yeah, I agree as well. But he uh, could also just be inside Julian the Doll, and I would believe that Riverdale would do that. Cole Sprouse is pretty tiny. Yep. Let's move on to one that, that you will like. We touched on this a little bit before, uh, but this is from username Betty and Archie Wedding Ring. And they want to know. <laughs> huh. huh. Can you is, find out who the actual person who owns that account? Uh, this is. It's not. At Justin Tyler? Uh, weird. Oh, it's a shame they revealed. Underscore Riverdale after dark host. <laughs> wow. Huh. No, this pointed. is uh, Victoria 106. Uh, underscore says, when do you think Barchi will happen? And Abby at uh, cause underscore Dale answers never. Uh, so what do you what do you think, Justin? I mean, don't set me up for something like this. Um, I'll do whatever I want. Wow. Uh, I got the mic, bro. <laughs> I think it would be crazy if this show never even played that out. Uh, 
they that's something that we've periodically had little flashes, very tiny flashes. Yeah, that people who truly believe have uh, knit <laughs> into a uh, Bargetarians. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Seventh day Bargetarians. Um We've <laughs> knit into a, a fine fabric that I think will keep us warm until we get our Barchi love. Yes. Now, when you say a fine fabric, you mean like one of those moth-eaten blankets? Um, no, I mean like a very precious silk. That you would um, just uh, the warmest luxuriate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the warmest thing. I, my silk winter coat is uh, perfect. I'm very cold. Yeah, I am out of the Barchi guessing game. I mean, I was on board with you for the first three seasons of this show, uh, and I really, I thank you for your service. I can't believe you bailed out just when it's getting good. <laughs> it's not though. That's the thing is that I kind of I was agreeing with you that from the comics you think. It's going to happen. They did seed stuff in there. They did tease throughout that, ooh, Betty and Archie are going to be together. And even in multiple interviews, Roberto Okurasakasa said exactly what you're saying, that if we got to season seven and we hadn't played it out, it would be a missed opportunity. And I get that, and I understand that, but I don't know how they get there from here. Well, Jughead being dead will help. I don't know. You stick. That's by, you a stick, breakup. If I know anything from the Cheryl storyline, you stick by your corpse. <laughs> yeah, stand by your <laughs> corpse. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, it it depends on how the jug. If it's, it's going to happen this season, it depends on how the Jughead mystery plays out. Yeah. If he is, um, if they think he's dead, or if he's off the table for a reason that they are like, well, he's gone for now. Right. Like he runs away. He has to get out of Dodge, maybe forever. Or he somehow burns bridges with everyone. Um, Then I think that, yes, it could easily happen. There's, I'll just throw out what potentially is like, uh, for fans, a pretty fucked up possibility. Yes. Is they could do a thing, if this is all a fake, if this is some way of protecting Jughead or getting him off the board so he can investigate a mystery or whatever's going on there to really drive home the fake. Now we're talking. They could do a thing where they're like, Betty and Archie have to pretend to date. And then they do date because they love each other. That's not what I was getting towards. Well, let me just finish the words. (laughs) But what I'm saying is they could do a thing where they could be like, yeah, Betty and Archie are dating. People lose their minds, both from the Bughead perspective, because they're like, what the fuck? Why are you breaking up Bughead? And from the Barchie perspective, because people are like, this is finally happening. And obviously from the Varchi perspective, they're furious uh, because I don't even know what happens with the Veronica Archie relationship in this scenario. Uh, But then it's revealed, oh, this was all part of the cover for whatever's going on with Jughead. But like a lot of situations, the cover ends up becoming real because Uh they start to, they're faking a relationship and it starts to really happen. Well, it's like when Like I start a lot of my fake spin the bottle relationships as like, oh, this is funny. Mm -hmm. And then it's real. Well, it's like how and I'm I- married to Betty. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's real. My Betty. Oh, okay. Your personal Betty. Uh, let's move on. Ryan Hensela asked, what do you think is in store for Shoney after the Jason storyline ends? What musical episode do you think they'll do this season? Also, do you think we'll finally get Tony's backstory this season? Big questions, big repeat questions that people are always wanting to know. You're um, on the Shoney Beat. Yeah, I'm on the Shoney Beat. Yeah. Uh, you should check out my magazine, by the way, Shoney Beat. Yep, a lot of pictures of Shoney. Yeah, there's no cover, though. Smart. Yeah. Mag- no one loves <laughs> magazine covers. Yeah. Everyone go. just loves the insides. Yeah, just like Barchi and Buckhead. Yep. I don't know. What that are you kind of connected. I was trying to connect it to something we said previously, but I only added about 50%. Uh, what is in store for Shoney after the Jason storyline ends? I don't know. This has been 
for all its craziness, the biggest story, most consistent storyline that they've had on the show. And it does seem like maybe we're going to get back into gangs in the second half of the season. So they Certainly might with back. FP being like, I'm a serpent. Right. So you could see something where Tony goes back to the serpents. She takes her place as Serpent Queen. Cheryl does her regular can walk into any storyline at any time and do whatever she wants thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know necessarily what happens to them together, but they seem pretty solid going forward. I think they seem solid. I do think Cheryl seems even more like off than she has. She's certainly been through a million traumas in her life. I think these last two episodes are going to be about her realizing that she's been truly like yeah. out of sorts. And I think Tony's going to be there to help her f- get back on track and get to a more mentally stable place. And then I think the mid-season finale will happen, and then she'll be just normal again. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. And then I think their relationship will go forward. Yeah. Well, and we've seen some pictures from them filming the first two episodes back. The first one is called Varsity Blues. Definitely been a lot of pictures of them doing football. And I don't want uniform. your life. I'm hoping Archie is in a whipped cream bikini. That, he's That's the what most I'm likely candidate for Yeah, him. I think so. Uh, and then the second episode is called Quiz Show, and they are actually doing a quiz show. It looks like maybe Alice is hosting it or something like that. Perfect choice. Uh, so I, I think I don't know. I think they might actually get back to high school fun in the second half of the season. Which is what we were promised at the yes. beginning of this season. We were also promised a battle of the bands. The Archie's actually showing up. So I think that's all coming. Love all that. Which is great. Uh, for the rest of the questions, what musical episode do you think they'll do this season? Uh so I thought it was going to be Sweeney Todd, but then they did the meat pies, which I think wipes that out. Yeah. So here's the second possibility. I... I feel pretty strongly about this one. I'm happy to be wrong, but I think it's going to be the American Psycho musical because wow. you already have Brett Weston Wallace on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have done two musicals previously that are based on movies, but most importantly, the guy who wrote the book for the American Psycho musical is Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. Yeah. So I think they're just going to do that. You think they would lean in that hard? I don't I know. Think I mean, so. there's a Battle of the Bands episode that feels like a natural musical episode. Right. <laughs> and I well, know that's what not- musical would they do? Uh, School of Rock. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of a long shot. Uh, it doesn't have the macabre side of right. most of the musicals they dive into. Um, but I, it, maybe it's too much that they would do a Battle of the Bands episode as well as a full musical episode. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it will take the place this year. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is from Randa Morris asks, do you think Evelyn will show back up? She was knocked out by Betty. Then we never heard anything else about her. Also, Jug is acting out of character and hasn't followed up on Moose's disappearance like he usually would. True. What do you think that is? I think that's because Cody Kearsley is probably busy doing other shows, but it's weird. They definitely drop that completely. I think that's once we get deeper into the conspiracy, uh, the Stonewall conspiracy, I think... Uh, Moose is going to be tied up in a room somewhere. Yeah, it's very clear that when Donna Sweet was getting texts from him, it wasn't... Not true. Yeah, it was not from him. It was under duress, so he's probably somewhere. (laughs) Maybe he'll show up again, having been brainwashed, if we are really going into a brainwash thing. Uh, What about Evelyn? Do you think Evelyn's going to show up again? I don't know. When they put Edgar on that rocket, (laughs) that whole (laughs) rocket, I was like, this storyline's over. Yes. Um, though, I mean, she is definitely in the canon of the uh, sort of Injustice League of Riverdale uh, alongside uh, Chick, who is back, uh, alongside um, Penelope Blossom, who is like, I think, 
living in the walls of the mansion. I agree with you. Uh, I'm on board with this theory. I think she's the one maybe moving the doll around. And yeah. I also think she could be, I said this before, in disguise as her own mother. <laughs> I really I think that's a step too far. Dude, what, what are you, crazy? She can yeah. wear... I'm sorry. In this haunted doll corpse talking storyline, wearing skin is a step too far. I Maybe even more How likely. How is she going to make a convincing skin suit? She's inside Jason's corpse. Oh, okay. That is why it's so bloated, baby. Boom. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, but Evelyn, uh, I will mention, which I thought was very funny, and I, this didn't even occur to me, that somebody pointed out on Twitter that Betty was wearing her clothes after that. So last time we saw Evelyn, she was naked on a hotel room floor, and that's where we left her. Uh, wow. I assume she's in prison, and they can pull her out to nix it up if they want to. Yeah. Uh, this is from Bailey. Just wanted to comment on Lily Reinhardt's performance thus far this season. Her acting is some of the best in the show, in my opinion, and I'm excited to see where her career goes in Riverdale and beyond. Clap. And Thomas Hayes answers, but she recreated that Halloween movie scene pretty much dead on. Uh, what do you think about Lily Reinhardt this season? I think she's been great, and I love, especially the last two episodes, Betty's been having more fun. Um, yes. She has been like the episode at uh, Stonewall with Jughead. She is like cutting loose. She's like, yo, we need to make out right now. Let's do this. Disregard the camera in the corner of the room. Right. Clearly uh, placed there. Uh, clearly in the catcher's bit. Yep. Uh, I think she's uh, the, her performance is great. I think she is poised to be the breakout star of Riverdale to move on Ooh, to a larger career. In total. I think of all the actors there, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, she kind of already is. That's what I'm saying. She was fantastic in Hustlers. Yep. Uh, she was great in something else. Great. I don't know. There's something else she did. I mean, oh, Hustlers, she has a book of poems. That's what I was thinking of. Hustlers is of. a first big step. Yes. You know, she's that's a big move. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. I think she's great. She's doing a great job. Uh, it's not as hardcore dramatic down on Betty as it was in last season. Uh, yeah. But that'll, to your point, that allows her to have more fun. So Wait, I think it's a welcome uh, change. Yeah. Um, for, this is uh, from Lunar. My theory is Jughead does not die, and it's actually Soupead who dies. I need answers. Do you think it's Soupead or? Soupead. Soupead. I don't know if soup is the opposite of jugs. Uh, no. Necessarily. What is soups the opposite of sandwiches? Yeah. Or salads. Well, they're complimentary. Salads. Salads and soup are yeah. our tribals. Sandwiches are just sort of like more solid soup sometimes. Uh, interesting. Like a French onion soup that's basically a sandwich that's a little wet. Oh, yeah. It is sort of a wet sandwich. <laughs> Inside out wet sandwich. Yes. Really blew my mind there. Yeah. I'm going to start putting that on the menu at my restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Try our inside out wet sandwich. <laughs> Try our wet sandwiches, you well, idiots. Well, I will throw it out there. Uh, a lot of folks think that it's not Jughead's dead body, or rather it's not Cole Sprouse's dead body. It's Dylan Sprouse's dead body there. I don't Weird. think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think we want, they want to open up that. Yeah. We already have twins. Yeah, Dylan Sprouse wouldn't do Riverdale. Wow, I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know what that means either. Um, I don't know. That's why, like, it's definitely his body laying there. Yeah. So that you can't. That's not a. It's not like paper mache. No, he's definitely lying there. They're definitely saying that he's dead. I don't think Jughead's going to die, but I don't know how they're going to explain it as yeah. of yet. Uh, this is from Samantha Davy. Any chance for Steamy Bughead and Shody? Seize the season, please. Steamy? Steamy. We've gotten a lot of steamy scenes. Yeah. Steamy well, is what gotten, I describe. We've gotten some sweet scenes. 
Yeah, but also steamy. I mean, steamy is the word I use for sex oh, okay. and all, at all times. <laughs> old times? Yeah. Because just like an old... I always think of like an old-timey trade when somebody says steamy. Wow, that's just very like, sexual. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. yeah. Toot toot. All aboard. Yes. Uh, I think there have been... Uh, I mean, for both uh, Bughead and Shoney, I think they feel... That's what has sort of especially disappointed me about the possibility of Barchi is Bughead feels especially happy this season so far. Yeah. I mean, to that point, Jody says also really happy that Betty and Jughead's relationship is actually shining in this season rather than them just being together to solve mysteries. Seeing little moments is just cute heart. I agree. I I mean, especially after last season where it felt like they just were like sort of going through the motions of their relationship. It does feel like their relationship is much stronger, which means it's set up for a downfall. Okay, we're going to move on to the next one, uh, which is Melissa Garland says, are Charles and Chick working with Donna and Brett? Whoa. I don't think so. Yeah, that would be... But, I mean, like we were saying before, what is the unifying theory of this this season? Like, how does the mysterious um, secret organization relate to chick and charles unless charles was like in in it right somehow they're gonna like i don't know maybe charles went to stonewall at some point and we'll find out under an assumed name but that seems like such a stretch yeah because his sort of life is on a particular track it would be weird if it was like i also went to stonewall for a while (laughs) right uh yeah i don't know i i always love a good connecting storyline but i don't see it happening you don't think? I mean, I feel like it's inevitable. I think you they think connect. So? They mostly connect everything in this show. I don't know. Last season, they were like Gargoyle King Farm, and then they cut a met briefly at the end and exchanged bodies. Yeah, and then that was it. I guess that's true. But I get all the characters were dealing with all of those things. It's still un- unbelievable that last season Archie fought a bear and died. <laughs> that's <laughs> so crazy. It was like uh, something I read in, in school. Yeah. Uh, Laura says, we'll just get to a couple more here. Laura says, how do you feel about a therapy session finally coming in for the people of Riverdale? Maybe now they can get some damn help, specifically Cheryl and Betty. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, uh, like we said before, I think um, that's especially important for Cheryl. I wonder, Betty seems like she is uh, pretty aware of herself right now. I don't know how much she needs to... She's been in so many therapy situations already. Yeah, I think, if anything, this is... She seems to be in a therapy session with her mother, Alice, and that's a necessary conversation. Love that. I almost feel like Mrs. Burble will sit back and kind of just let them talk and yell at each other and hash stuff out. That's cool. Maybe it's a Veronica uh, dealing with Hermosa Hiram kind of stuff. Uh, what do you think about Archie? Do you think they'll go back into uh, Fred's death? Or are th- we sort of, have we just si- sort of digested that? No, I think that's something he's always going to be dealing with. And that's yeah. the thing that in a heartbreaking way, in a real way, but it grounds his storyline this season that he is continually dealing with the death of his father and trying, not getting past it, but figuring out to deal with it emotionally. There were scenes in the promo of him breaking a pencil, so I do wonder if there's going to be something about his academics. Uh, we're going to go back he to... Didn't pass the S- he didn't take the SATs. No, he stormed out of the SATs and punched a mirror and maybe tried to kill Hiram, maybe. Uh I I think we'll see a little more dealing with that of like, what is my future? What am I doing here? Do you think Tony and Treeman is going to confront the fact that she doesn't have a past? <laughs> Her backstory? Yeah. She'll be like, huh, I don't have parents. Yeah. What do you know? I just appeared Tell here. me about your mother. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah. I briefly dated Jughead, if yeah. you remember. <laughs> I hatched an egg. Yeah. She's an X-Men now. That's a little reference for you comic book fans. A uh, couple more, as I mentioned, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Sweetwater, Sweetwater Bombshell says, Chick, Mr. Honey, and Charles are all working together in a truple. I think it's a thruple is what you mean. Uh, to take out these meddling kids. Uh, going a to thruple get... is a troublesome thruple. Oh, is it? <laughs> no, I don't know. But that, I, I like that. Okay, thanks, Dr. Drew. Uh, <laughs> they are going to get Kevin involved to seek revenge on Betty Snooper. We haven't really talked about what Mr. Honey is doing there. Do you think she he's part of all this? Well, I will say, uh, story-wise, Mr. Chipping and Mr. Honey have occupied like similar spots uh, a yeah. little bit, like sort of like slightly antagonistic uh, authority figures for each side of the story. Um, so I now that Mr. Chipping killed himself for some reason that we don't understand. I hope Mr. Honey sort of asserts himself more as a specific role. Yeah. This is only based on pictures where he seems to be hanging out with the cast. There's definitely weird stuff going on with him based on the fact that he TP'd Reggie's car, that he prank called Cheryl and shut down her party. Uh, So he is very aggressive, but I kind of just feel like he is their antagonist on the school side. Like, he's just antagonistic, weird principal. Stodgy Dean. Yeah, and I just, I hope there is nothing going on with him. I hope he's just the Weatherby replacement, but actually more active than Principal Weatherby. Well, it's interesting if it does, if the story does move back into high school in the second half of the season, then he will have a real role to do, like, getting in the way of the kids solving these horrifying crimes. Yeah. Um, Moving over to Georgia says, one of my main questions this season is where are the serpents? Because I miss them and I need them back. Uh, Also, I don't trust Donna at the Never Have I Ever game. She said the kissed a girl thing, especially for Betty, so she has something against her. I think Donna is going to try to kill Jughead at Betty. Veronica and Archie are going to come save him, and they accidentally kill Donna. Then that would explain the flash forward at the end of season three. Oh, wow. Lots of stuff there. Uh, Serpents, I think, uh, at the very least, as we mentioned, FP is getting back in the jacket. So I think we're going to see them sooner rather than later. And as we're taping, there was a... Uh, Instagram, I think it was on Madeline Petch's Instagram, where uh, Cheryl and Tony and Fangs are all hanging out at Thistle House. So mm. Fangs will be back. Fangs in Thistle House. Weird, Not right? what I would have expected. Yeah, what's he doing there? Butler. Oh, do you think it's a Seinfeld thing? He was sentenced to be their butler? Oh, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, they do reference a lot of TV and referencing a weird uh, mid-run Seinfeld subplot (laughs) seems like real ripe pickings. Yeah, there was also in the promo for the next episode between Crying Jags, Cheryl did say these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, that's true. I guess Mm -hmm. maybe that's what's really wrong with it. Shrinkage! It was shrinkage! (laughs) Tony is the George Costanza of the show. No one would disagree with Who's that. Who's the Kramer? Uh, Cheryl. It's literally, uh, there are hundreds of Kramers in this show. <laughs> it's Kramers. It's all Kramers. The, Kramers all the way down. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think we have what time for one more here. This is from Elena Fontenot. First of all, a complaint. The Donna storyline is tiptoeing the line. I don't like seeing Betty being portrayed as someone who instinctively doesn't believe a sexual assault victim. Second, I yep. refuse to believe that Jughead is actually dead by mid-season. Third, when will we finally get to meet uh, Pawpaw Jones? I'm dying to see who this man is. Fourth, where's Jellybean? And finally, y'all are my favorites to listen to. Keep up the hilarious good work. 
Thank you so much. That's man. very nice. That is very nice. Uh, some of these we can actually answer. Uh, specifically, Papa Jones, who yep. is uh, Fourth Ice Pectals in Jones the First. He's going to be played by Timothy Weber, who fans will probably know as the Apprentice, as in the Sorcerer's Apprentice from Once Upon a Time. Though he's had a very long career doing a lot of different things, uh, he is going to turn up in the ninth episode, the mid-season as, finale. In the mid-season finale, when Jughead finally tracks him down, he is living in the woods. He's a drunk on his own. Uh, and he's going to provide some information about what's going on with the Baxter Brothers books. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah, Jelly Bean feels oddly missed lately. I got so many questions online about what was where Jelly Bean was on ho- not Halloween on Thanksgiving during the ice storm because FP and Alice are like finally alone. Yeah, <laughs> where was Jelly Bean? Uh, locked in a room. Maybe she's outside. Uh, right, frozen. She just. Chilled in the ice storm. Well, Jellybean, she doesn't have much going on in general. The only thing she has going on is she was sort of like up to no good with her mom. Right. So one thing that I loved is I I thought what they did with her on Halloween was great. Very cool. Yeah. Setting her up as the bratty little sister to Betty is such a great dynamic. And taking it too far. Yes. Um, I thought was cool. Great and choice. I'd love to see more of that. Like, it would be good to see her around because that's something that we haven't really seen on the show. And in the same way that Veronica has the sibling rivalry now with Hermosa, Betty having sibling rivalry with Jelly Bean in a reverse way, and Jelly Bean just really getting under her skin is a yep. fun dynamic to play with. Solve this mystery, Betty. Yeah, there this we go. Jelly Bean. Uh, and uh, just last thing, last thing, I refuse to believe Jughead is actually dead by midseason. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's dead, right? He's not dead for good, but um, it'd be interesting if he was really off the board for a while. Do you think they... I wonder if in the television atmosphere, knowing what went on, and these are the two touch points I always go to, but Glenn on The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and Jon Snow on Game of Thrones, two slightly different ways that they treated them, but they happened around the same time. And they both broke the fan bases in very different ways. Yeah. And I don't, specifically the Glenn one, because they pretended Glenn was dead so long, but it turned out, nope, he had... Uh, snuck under a dumpster and he was hiding under there. Yeah. And they kept it off the board for months at that point to the point that people were angry about it. Yeah. And I think if they did the same thing with Jughead, it would have the same reaction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like, he's dead. And then like, you know, two months later, it's like, nope, he wasn't. I think he's going to be removed from the board for a reason and maybe we just won't see him for a while. It's right. like if the Archie went on his walkabout and we just didn't see it. Okay. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. So, like, we know where he is. We know why he has faked his death, but we don't get to see whatever mission he's on. Or, like, maybe they do it a slightly different way and it becomes, like, we see that as one bottle episode of Jughead's journey with Pawpaw or whatever. <laughs> and that's what I'm calling him from now on. Journeys with Pawpaw. Journeys with Pawpaw. Journeys with Pawpaw. All right. Tuesdays with Maury, Journeys with Pawpaw. Thank you all for sending in your questions and theories and comments. I'm sorry we couldn't get to absolutely everything here, but we love chatting with all of you online and we really appreciate it. If you would like to support the show, as we mentioned, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about Riverdale. 
Justin, what do you want to plug? Uh, friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and at Riverdale Dark. Yep. On Facebook, you do at Riverdale After Dark. On there, on Instagram, at Riverdale After. Uh, also, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you after dark. And now we drop our turkeys into the deadly deep fryer because it is Thanksgiving. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.